0: Uh, what got you there with got you? Got you. What got you there with Chandalane? Got, uh, got you there What got you there with Chandalane? Got you there with Chandalane. What got you there with Chandalane? Welcome you, uh, back Shondelani. to another episode of What Got You, got you, there? Got you there? there. First, we want to give got a big there? shout Shondelani. out to Gator 0927. Gator gave us a five-star rating and also this review. I like to set goals and then go out and achieve them. This is a great podcast for new inspiration to go after what you want. Great job. Thanks so much for that review, Gator. And if you want to support the podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us a review. Today on What Got You There, we are joined by the crazy and rambunctious Tim Sykes. Tim took his $12,000 of bar mitzvah money and turned it into $4.5 million in the stock market. Tim has since gone on to create many multimillionaires. Tim is also big in philanthropy and has donated over a million dollars to Pencils of Promise. This is a fun episode, and Tim dives deep on many topics. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash what got you there. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I'm a huge fan of Audible and definitely recommend checking it out. Tim Sykes, thanks for joining us on What Got You There. How are you doing today?
1: All right. Thanks for having me on, man.
0: Well, after a little technical difficulties, we finally got this one going. So I appreciate you uh, still staying on the line for this. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no, you're someone who brings a ton of energy to these podcasts, and you've done some tremendous things in your trading life. But before we dive into that, I want to know, how do you start your day? Any morning routines?
1: Um, I mean, it just depends on what time zone I'm in. I, I trade stocks from literally all over the world. Um, in you know Asia, where I've been the past few weeks, I actually don't even trade during the day. Uh, so I'm I'm waking up early, and I was going to the Tsukiji fish market every morning in Tokyo. Uh, if I'm in Europe, you know the stock market opens at 3 p.m., so my morning begins at around noon, and I have you know an amazing espresso in Italy. Or if I'm in the U.S., then you know I'm waking up either in Miami. Or Beverly Hills. Um, so life is pretty good and and I get to choose my time zone.
0: I was gonna say, sounds like some real shitty spots you're waking up in. What about what's your favorite? If you could wake up anywhere tomorrow, where's it gonna be?
1: Oh, um, I mean, I love Japan, but it's it's probably the worst to trade stocks from. Um, so I'll go with Europe because, you know, the stock market that I trade is open from three PM to ten PM. So I like being able to wake up at noon and then stuff my face with the best food and uh visit some, you know, ancient ruins that Help me
0: up. I mean, we're definitely going to have your Instagram linked up in the show notes. But you have some of the greatest pictures going on with food and travel. What's the best meal you've had?
1: Oh God, you're you're just making me want to travel right now. I just got back.
0: Me and my wife, honestly, at lunch we were discussing what we're going to book our next trip. So I got to pick your brain on these.
1: In in my future life, I'll probably just be a travel agent or a food critic. Um, I, you know, I mean, it, it just depends, like. I guess my best meal ever is in Italy because I just, I love the fresh seafood and the pasta and the views and the people are so friendly and the wine is amazing. So, you know, it's tough to get a bad meal in, in Southern Italy.
0: Good tips there. All right. So let's dive a little bit into your backstory. You've got an incredible tale. So from what I've heard, you've taken about $12,000 of your bar mitzvah money and turned it at this point and now into four and a half million. You want to share your story and kind of how that all transpired?
1: Yeah, um, I was a tennis player in high school, but I lost in the uh, state finals my junior year of high school. And I was so determined to win my senior year that I overtrained and I injured myself.
0: Wait, and who's the asshole who beat you? <laughs> do you, <laughs> I don't do you remember, remember his name?
1: <laughs> his name. I'm, I'm the asshole who overtrained and pushed my weak Jewish body past its <laughs> you know, genetic limits. So I injured myself. <laughs> my dad calls it the million dollar injury because um, I got into stock trading, my parents gave me control of my Bar Mitzvah gift money, which was roughly 12,000, thinking that I would lose it all, thinking that it would be a good lesson for me to learn the value of a dollar. But instead I screwed up all their plans and you know, made nearly two million dollars before I graduated college. And uh, you know, the rest is history. I was on this TV show called Wall Street Warriors uh, while I was running a hedge fund and I wasn't great at running a hedge fund. My strategy is better for small accounts. And my whole personality is better for small accounts. I'm not good at betting millions of dollars as I learned the hard way. Um, so I was on this TV show, Wall Street Warriors. I was drunk in every episode and I became rather entertaining compared to all the other fake ass finance people on the show. And everyone started you know, messaging me, hey, I want to learn. So I got into teaching thinking, hey, you know, I could do this. Most of the people who teach are full of shit. So I just have to be real. And now after 10 years of teaching, I have several millionaire students and they help me mentor other people now. So business is booming as it's good to be real in an industry full of scams.
0: Yeah, no, it's been awesome watching your transition from the trader and then becoming this coach who now has multiple millionaire clients. And we're definitely going to dive more into that. But I've got to know, so tennis player, injure yourself, were you initially involved in stocks at all? Or one day you just decide you wanted to start trading?
1: No. Um, you know, I was a tennis player. I was playing literally every single day. But this was nineteen ninety nine. The stock market was going crazy. And I had I ended up having surgery. So there was literally nothing I could do. Um, I was already into college early admission. So I had like these two casts. I'm walking around like fucking Robocop. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm just looking. The stock market seemed like a good opportunity. And then my parents wanted to teach me a lesson and they literally thought that, you know, I would just bankrupt myself. Instead, it
0: took off. That is awesome. So senior year of high school, what do you make, about $100,000 on your trades alone?
1: Yeah, you know, and, and I was totally self-taught. I never had a mentor, and that kind of sucked because even though I did well, I made a ton of mistakes. And uh, then, you know, freshman year in, in college, I made a little over 700000 and I was just hooked because, you know, I'm a middle-class guy. Whether you make 100000 or 700000 for the year, you're just
0: like, what's,
1: what's going on?
0: So what's it like when you're 19 years old and you make $700,000, you go splurge, do you buy anything there?
1: Well, so you, you can't really splurge early on because then you take money out of your trading account. So it's, it's a little different than being like a sports star or like a, a musician who gets like a big paycheck and they go splurge. I didn't want to take any money out because then I, I couldn't bet as big and then, you know, I wouldn't have made millions of dollars later. So I didn't actually get my first Lamborghini until, uh, what, like 2012. So like a, over a decade after I became a millionaire. Um, so you, you kind of have to keep your money in and that's good because it kept me grounded for, for a while.
0: I was going to say that point you just brought up was really interesting to me. I feel like so many people at that point, once they made that huge lump sum, they would have cashed out and just started splurging right away. Where, where do you think that mindset came in that you decided to leave it in? You saw kind of the long-term benefits of being able to invest longer.
1: I mean, it was just my greed. I just wanted to make more money. And if I if I didn't if I didn't uh, have to keep the money and I I wouldn't have. But I I splurged a little, you know, I took my whole dorm out to dinner uh, in college one night uh, when I made one hundred thousand in a day. And, you know, we went to fire and ice. If you're in Boston, I, I just went up there. I spoke at Harvard a few months ago and I checked it out and the restaurant is still there. And I took, you know, nearly 100 people out to dinner there. That was a great moment.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And now you're inspiring so many, you're coaching so many right now. How many millionaire clients do you currently have?
1: Uh, So far, we have three publicly. We have two privately. Some people don't want to talk about the money that they've made. So even though I want everyone to be fully transparent, I get it. You know, when you talk about money and like it it kind of changes things with, with like your friends and your relatives and loved ones. So You know, a couple. Um, but more importantly, it's not just about the millionaires. You know, I also have a few dozen people who have made six figures and a few hundred students who have made five figures. And it takes time because most of my students start with just a few thousand dollars to their name. So I'm on my way and and I have a lot of students who are on their way.
0: When did you start coaching?
1: Uh, 10 years ago. I'm celebrating my 10 year anniversary right now.
0: Ah, congrats. So what made you get into that transition there of start coaching?
1: purely, you know, the, the responses I received from my drunken TV show antics. Um, you know, I was not having fun running a hedge fund. I I don't get along with like these elitist people. You know, I was not great at managing millions of dollars. Um, so I just said, Hey, you know, there seems to be demand, uh, with people wanting to learn how to turn a few thousand into a few million. And because I, I've done that, you know, I know I can teach it to others. And that's what got me into it. And I had no idea how hard teaching would be, um, you know, how hard it would be to try to, you know, just transfer everything that I've learned over the years. I now have over 4,000 video lessons. So I try to, uh, you know, catalog everything, but it's definitely not an exact science. It's more of an art.
0: Yeah, no. Your videos have been incredible to watch, both from an entertaining aspect and then also from a, a financial learning sense. It's been cool to see. So, what are some of the different trading platforms you're using right now to coach your clients?
1: Uh, yeah, I just like the basics. You know, I use E Trade uh, and Interactive Brokers. Um, so, I, I, I'm really suspicious of a lot of brokers these days. Uh, you know, we've had nearly a decade bull run in the market, so you have tons and tons of upstart brokers and. I just think it's going to end ugly in a, a little bit. I think winter is coming.
0: Any uh any predictions on exact timing? Obviously, it's impossible to time the market here, but yeah, we have been on this run for a while now.
1: You know, I think uh we've been waiting for the the white walkers to to come for the winter is coming in Game of Thrones for what, <laughs> six or seven seasons, but there's only two seasons left. So, I think it's actually it's going to coincide. I think Game of Thrones is going to end and the bull market is going to end and it's going to be ugly in in both cases.
0: You heard it here first. I love that. All right. So with this um, coaching that you have going on, besides the videos, do you have any sites that you direct your clients to, anything my listeners can learn from?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you just go to timothysykes.com, um, I also have 8,000 plus blog posts. And I just talk about you know every single thing that I've learned. There's, there's a blog post for pretty much anything you can think of. I still write new blog posts every day or, or every few days. Um, just with new student stories and lessons and stuff like that. So just my name, T-I-M-O-T-H-Y-S-Y-K-E-S dot com.
0: Okay, awesome. We'll definitely have that linked up. So, I mean, you're someone who just has so much confidence. First off, where does that confidence come from? And then you want to just talk about how that's been an advantage for you?
1: Yeah, my confidence comes from achievement. Um, You know, most people don't achieve a half or even a third of the stuff that I've done. Um but because i've I've seen it and experienced it, and because it's, you know been pretty consistent, like I didn't make all my millions on one trade or any one year, um you know, my best year trading wise was two thousand and fourteen. So that was uh, fifteen years after I first began. So it's nice, consistent success that helps you understand, wait a minute, like you know something that that other people don't, and that you know makes you a little special. It's not just my mom telling me I'm special. Um, so that's nice. And, and more than just the money, it's great to learn a skill and it's great to be self-sufficient. So all my millionaire students, yes, they've made seven figures, but they don't need me anymore. You know, I'm just like their training wheels. My top student has turned 1500 into over $4 million. He could care less what I'm doing. You know, he has his own strategy that suited to his own personality. So I think that everyone really needs to just stop, you know, entertaining themselves so much and and Netflixing and chilling and going out and really just, you know, focus on themselves and and develop skill sets. And that way, you know, you'll be more self-sufficient and and happier.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've seen you be able to do that. You kind of turned from trader to entrepreneur. What was that transition like?
1: Yeah, I mean I I just go with it. I I don't even think like, "Oh, I have to be successful." I just see like an opening, I see an opportunity, you know, when my TV show started airing and I started getting, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 emails a day, I'm like, "Well, you know, maybe there's some demand here. Maybe I can take <laughs> advantage of that." So, you 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 try to react to different events and catalysts in your life. And, you know, I think that's kind of like the trader mentality in the stock market too and a lot of people get these events and they get these catalysts and they ignore them because they're scared of change and you shouldn't be you should just you know roll with it life is a roller coaster and it's actually fascinating uh, the turns that my career has taken i would never have expected uh from the start you know if i never got injured as a tennis player i'd probably still be a tennis player at some you know crappy little country club trying to scam like teenagers for private <laughs> lessons <laughs>
0: So, I mean, this mental strength and and your ability to adapt and change, did this come prior to high school, before you started trading, or have you just constantly been learning throughout this entire process?
1: No, I've been learning and and taking it one step at a time, you know, making a lot of money, like kind of being above the rat race helps. But even then, you know, when I was first on TV, I had to drink a lot, you know, just to kind of have like, you know, the balls to say what I thought. And sometimes I drank too much. You can see some of my TV episodes where my eyes are like half open and I probably shouldn't have taken all those tequila shots before going on CNBC. But, you know, you live and you learn. And now I can't drink for shit. So
0: I better have confidence. So when did, when did that happen, battling with uh, a little alcohol?
1: Um, I mean, I've also lost. So we've talked a lot about my success. But you know, when I was running the hedge fund, I invested in my best friend's dad's company. And I lost roughly a third of the fund. Uh, I got away from what made me good at trading. And I was really depressed for like a year or two. And I really started drinking heavily. Um, you know, I was like, oh, my God, is my career over? Am I, am I done? But eventually, I, I pulled my shit together. And I was like, wait a minute. The loss occurred not on my strategy, not according to my rules. And until that loss, I didn't even know that I had specific rules. So, you know, the losses actually made me better, even though while I, you know, first had them, I, I, it really kind of
0: sucked. Do you think you got involved in that because it was with a friend and kind of put blinders on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that everyone needs to make a a mistake, whether it's a large or, or small mistake, but they just can't be, you know, like pitching the perfect game or batting a thousand. You know, if you do that, you don't have the full education and your views and your mindset and your perspective is very flawed.
0: And so now you've got your family working, right? Both your parents work with you.
1: Yes. We have a a family business. You know, my, my family had a jewelry store business, um, that I was supposed to inherit, but the day that I inherited it, I shut it down because it, it sucked. It, It wasn't profitable. You know, jewelry sounds, like all fun and exciting. It's not, it's, it's a tough daily grind of retail. And that's, that's, I wouldn't wish that life on anybody.
0: Speaking of jewelry, you've been known to show off some watches. What's, if you could have one time piece on your wrist, what would it be?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I have a few watches. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 like my, my Rolex Daytona. Um, it's nice. It's flashy. I like to throw it at people and during conferences to make points. I mean, I don't even use it to check the time. Like if you ask me what time it is, I'll just check my iPhone. Um, but you know, people like watches and I like them too. They're flashy. So it's fun.
0: I mean, you've been known to be a flashy guy. You mentioned the Lamborghini earlier. Where does this all come from? Was it it once you made your money, you just wanted to splurge, spend and buy a bunch of things, or is there a purpose and reason behind it all?
1: Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, when I was growing up, I had like posters of Ferraris and Lambos on my wall and, you know, to actually be able to buy them. Um, that was kind of a cool, little personal achievement. But then also, As a teacher, you're you're constantly looking to try to get your students to study. And you know, if I post a picture of my Lamborghini next to a video lesson, three times the amount of students watch that video lesson. So I started to realize, wait a minute, I could use these images to inspire my students um, and help them, you know, push harder. And it's also a good big goal for them to have if you look at studies. You know, it's good to have a big goal because that will increase your daily performance 15 to 25%. Harvard has done several studies on that. So, at first it was about me, then it became about my students and now it's just fun and I like pissing off my haters too.
0: <laughs> What's the fastest you've ever driven your Lamborg- Lamborghini?
1: That uh my well I I've had two Lamborghinis now. My first Lamborghini I got up to 170, the new one I've gotten up to about 160 so far. Um but I don't encourage that because I don't want to end up like <laughs> Paul Walker
0: any uh any other vehicles you have got your eyes set on
1: ah uh, you know i've got the lambo and ferrari i think a mclaren is next just oh. cuz i'm a, i'm an equal opportunity exotic car guy
0: <laughs> oh that's fantastic that's going to be fun to watch some of the videos once you do uh obtain that so
1: yeah the doors go up so i'm going to have a little fun with that
0: yeah so i mean you're someone who seems to be able to balance work and life pretty well uh does that <laughs> <laughs> does, does that come from the success or were you always like that
1: I didn't know we were on a comedy podcast. No, I can't balance at all. I just kind of try to integrate everything, you know. Part of the reason why I have my family working for me is just so I, you know, can spend more time with them and talk with them. Otherwise, I probably would never see them. Um, you know, it's it's always uh, kind of interesting to balance because I I love you know teaching. I love growing this business, but making time for myself and, and balancing, I, I definitely need to work on that. That's part of my new year's resolutions.
0: Gotcha. So one of the big reasons I actually wanted to have you on is so many people see the flashy Tim Sykes, see all the cars, see you posting millions of dollars of cash on the bed taking pictures with it. But I don't think as many people know the other side. So I think a few months ago, you donated a million dollars to pencil of promise, which is the single largest donation in their history. You want to talk a little bit about pencils of promise?
1: Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I've been doing charity for, I mean, over a decade ever since I made my initial money, but only when I really merged, uh, you know, kind of my love of education uh, with charity did I really start to explode. So I got involved with Pencils of Promise uh, through my friend Lewis House, who's another uh, podcaster, and we built two schools in Laos. Uh, So we went out to Laos, my family and I. Uh, my family got sick. Some people can't handle Asia, but I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I was just impressed with Pencils of Promise. You know, they built now 400 plus schools worldwide and they're all operating and, you know, they're just so efficient with everything. So I wanted to support their cause and, you know, donate. And so now we're going to build 20 plus schools uh, with that money and then also uh, buy a ton of e-readers and tablets that helps the kids uh, learn better. So I'm I'm proud of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, watching you and Lewis both contribute there has been pretty interesting to watch and been fascinating as well. How can my listeners help you out and support Pencils of Promise?
1: Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty much just me. So I, I don't look for like donations or anything. I just look for more millionaire students. If your listeners want to help me, then they become my next millionaire students. Then my business can grow and then I can donate more. So that's what they can do. They have to help themselves to help me.
0: You got it. So you mentioned about uh, continuing education and you're constantly coaching your clients up. What do you think might be wrong with the current education system we have?
1: Oh, so much. Um, I mean, I was saying this to Larry King and I said, you know, how good at math would you be if your high school math teacher had like a Lamborghini? I think teachers need to look at, you know, inspiring their students and figuring out what really motivates them rather than like mocking it. Like some people are like mocking the Lamborghini as inspiration, I have students who email me and they're like, "I feel ashamed that I'm inspired by your car." And I'm like, "Why are you ashamed if it inspires you to do good, if it inspires you, you know, to work hard? Like that's great. Use whatever you can to inspire." And I think that is a big thing that is missing with education. You know, most people think they have to go to school, they have to go to college to get a good job, and it's like this mandatory same old kind of shit that isn't working and it hasn't been working for years, if not decades. And we need to change it up. And the internet, I think, is here to really help us.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's unbelievable the decade we're in right now where you can just Google anything and basically become a master of it overnight. If you had kids right now.
1: Yeah. This is a unique time in history. And I think more people need to take advantage of it. And it's not just, you know, reading textbooks or getting degrees from bullshit, you know, colleges or universities. I mean, learn online, read every blog, listen to podcasts. You can become an expert all on your own. I mean, I, I knew nothing about the stock market and I learned everything through the internet. I had no mentor and now, you know, I'm trying to be the mentor that I never had to others, but you know, it's all done over the internet. I have students in over 80 countries. You don't necessarily have to learn in person with me. Although I do teach in person too.
0: If you had kids right now, what would you be doing? Would you be throwing them into the school system or would you be having them learn other ways?
1: You know, I think the school system is good to like learn how to socialize and like it's it's good, like a good structure. But I definitely don't think college is necessary. I wouldn't be forking over, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 grand a year for college. Um, I would definitely encourage my kids to, you know, learn on their own and and they would be internet fiends. And it wouldn't necessarily be on any subject that I care about. I think a lot of parents need to, you know, not kind of just force their kids to, to, you know work and focus on an industry that maybe in the past was very profitable or something that, you know, the parents wanted to. So now the parents are kind of like living their dream vicariously through their kids. I think the parents should really be reactive to what the kids love. And if you follow your heart and you focus on what you love, like there's money in any single industry, it's actually pretty fantastic.
0: No, that's some great tips right there. So how have you seen basically your role both with trading and then your entrepreneurial side, change with now social media, everything we have at our fingertips?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is just the beginning of social media. This is the beginning of the internet. So I'm really excited for the tools that are gonna be coming up that are gonna make education better and productivity better. I mean, right now we're like, it, if you wanted to make an analogy of like what the internet is, I mean, we're like the caveman, like scratching little, you know, crayons on cave walls. Like when we're, people are playing with filters and they're clicking like a little thumbs up button. It's like very basic stuff. This will not last in five, 10, 20 years. We're going to really see, uh, some amazing achievements and I don't know what they're going to be, but I'm excited that they're going to be more than just filters that make your head look like a cheetah. <laughs>
0: That is a good filter though. Any predictions on what stock trading is going to look like in a decade?
1: I've been telling my programmers who are sitting right next to me that I want to have a video game, like a stock chart where, you know, a stock chart right now is kind of a boring thing where it's just a line that's going up or down. But what if we can use the new technology like Oculus Rift or HoloLens or Magic Leap, where you could enter the stock chart, virtual reality style and jump up and down as that line is going and that way we get the youngsters involved with finance and it becomes fun. And they're not just shooting people in Afghanistan and, you know, encouraging violence.
0: No, I, lo- I love that approach. And I hope you guys can develop something like that. That would be very cool to see.
1: And my my programmers are laughing at me right now because they know how much hard work it's going to be to actually like enter the realm of a stock chart like Tron style. But <laughs> that, it's going to happen. And as much as Jamil is shaking his head no right now, it's still going to happen. But. He's Polish, so it takes him a little longer <laughs> for him to do stuff. But I'm a Polish, so I can make that joke.
0: There you go. So was there ever a moment you didn't think you'd succeed?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, there were many moments. I mean, uh, when I was injured in tennis, I, I thought my life was over. Like, I couldn't play tennis anymore. Uh, that was my, my first love. And then stock trading, when I lost half a million, uh, you know, I didn't lose everything, but I lost a third of, of my hedge fund, and I lost pretty much all my credibility. So I thought my life was over then. Um, you know, when the New York post wrote an article about me saying like, you know, the, the failed hedge fund prints, even though my hedge fund was never more than a few million dollars. Um, you know, there've been a lot of bad moments, but you, you go through them and you try to pick yourself up.
0: Are you looking to finish the latest thriller, such as the girl on the train while you're at the gym or in the car? Well, now you can for listeners of what got you there podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check this out. Head over to www.audibletrial.com forward slash what got you there to choose from over 180,000 titles to select the book you want to hear next. So I feel like you're someone that if tomorrow you went to zero. You would rebound, and within two years, you'd be right back where you are. Do you think that's true?
1: Oh, I would love to go to zero. I would get so much sleep. It would be amazing. <laughs> I would be like, ah, no pressure, no responsibility. Like that would be cool. Um, but yeah, I'd be back and, you know, I don't know when I'd be back. Cause if I went to zero, I would have probably done something really screwed up. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't fear failure and I don't think people should, I think a lot of people fear making mistakes and they fear like public embarrassment. I mean, if you watch me on any of my reality TV shows, I've taken more embarrassment than than anybody forever. So I don't I don't fear it anymore. And that's fine. I mean, so where
0: does that come from, though?
1: I think it's just experience and and learning, you know, when you make a mistake or when you have a big screw up and, you know, you're still alive and you realize, wait a minute, it's not as bad as I feared it would be. You know, you a lot of people are afraid of what could happen. But once you experience some failure, once you experience some making mistakes and you realize, Oh, it's just a part of life. And then, especially if you ever get successful, you look back and you're grateful for those mistakes. It's a good thing.
0: What are you most grateful for in your life right now?
1: I'm grateful for everything. My students, um, you know, just everybody. Hold on one sec. I got my office and they're trading guys. I'm on a fucking podcast to stop their training, but I had to swear at them. So this is public record. My business partner, Zach, was training because he's inconsiderate.
0: You got to set the tone over there.
1: (laughs) I I had set the the tone and they kind of looked at me. You know, there were their kickboxing gloves and they were surprised, you know, because this is obviously, but you swore first. So once you swore, I felt like I could swear too.
0: Hey, Yeah, you're definitely allowed to. Are you throwing on the the mitts later? No, I'm Jewish.
1: (laughs) I have to go work. Jews don't fight. We make money. I make jokes Jewish. I can make that joke. Your name is Sean Delaney. You're not Jewish.
0: (laughs) I have been to a few bar mitzvah, but yep, you are correct.
1: (laughs) I make jokes. You know, I'm sitting here talking to a laptop most of my life, so I have to entertain myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So are you learning from anyone today or are you kind of just completely self-taught? I feel like you are largely self-taught. No, yeah, it's
1: self-taught, you know, and and I'm teaching myself as I go, like how to be a better teacher and how to be better on social media. Um, These are brand new worlds. And it's kind of my pleasure. And, you know, it's kind of frustrating to be like, kind of like this pioneer, but I'm trying the best I can. I'm kind of like this blind guy just stumbling around and you start seeing what really inspires people. You know, at first I started posting, just some pictures of some, some of my cash and, and nobody else was really posting pictures of cash. And now those are my most well-liked photos and best stolen photos by rappers. And then I call out the <laughs> rappers and I get featured on TMZ. And then I get all these new students. So I encourage fake ass rappers to now steal my photos. Some people were like, why don't you watermark your photos? And then no one would steal them. And I said, well, if no one stole them, then how would I get on TMZ? And how would I get more students? So it's really weird what works. <laughs>
0: Any photo have been your favorite so far?
1: Ah, I mean, I, I love just living life and and I don't like just have like photo shoots. So if I capture a photo, if I capture a video, you know, that's great. Um, I think my favorite social media, uh, I guess event, I mean, I have photos and videos was my school opening Cambodia a few weeks ago called the Timothy Sykes center, uh, the Timothy Sykes learning center. And, uh, you know, kind of like Zoolander esque like the students, uh, the school for students who learn good, but it's actually real. Um, and I, I was greeted by a thousand kids who were going to this school, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And now they finally have a chance and, you know, it doesn't guarantee them success. They're going to have to study their butts off, but, uh, it was great to meet them. And, you know, there's a video of me, like just running down a line of a thousand kids and, you know, giving everybody a high five. That was, that was definitely huge. Although my charity photos and videos perform the worst on social media they're still my favorite personally
0: yeah i mean everyone's usually a fan of the outlandish photos you do have but when you do post videos like that of the work you've done with pencils of promise in the schools it's pretty cool to see so i i definitely advise my listeners to go check that out one of the photos i was hoping you'd talk about is you and the tiger though so can you talk about (laughs) i mean you've got this massive tiger with his his mouth wide open about to swallow your head
1: That was the dumbest photo I've taken that the tiger was yawning and I was like, let me get in there. Like, he's probably not going to bite me if he's yawning. Like, I think I thought to myself really quickly, like when I'm yawning, like I can't multitask, right? Like you're yawning, your whole body is like focused on that. Uh, but then the trainers, you know, around me are like, you're, you're lucky. Like, you know, I put my head in the danger zone and it was good. It could have been probably the most viral photo ever if he had actually like closed his mouth on my head and then he would have seen my head like get all bloody. But I was stupid. Don't don't encourage that. Don't play with the dangerous animals for for likes. That's stupid.
0: <laughs> I mean, so you talk about the changing times with social media and everything that we've got going on right now. Is there anyone if you could pick their brain you'd sit down with to learn a new skill?
1: Um. I mean, where I learn a new skill.
0: I mean, it could be anything. I mean, even if it's say race car driving, I I'm just curious what you'd be interested to learn.
1: Um, I, uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I probably, I mean, I would sit down with any business leader like, and, and just pick their brain over their experiences. Like, you know, people like Richard Branson or Mark Cuban, I think that's hugely educational, but you know, they also have already shared a lot. I mean, they have books, they have podcasts, they have blogs. So you pretty much already can do that. It's kind of cool. This world that we're living in, you have access to all this knowledge that was never before shared. And you know, it, it, it infuriates me that more people aren't taking advantage of it properly.
0: Yeah. I mean, I hope that's one of the big takeaways from today is just the amount of things we have access to right now that you can learn anything at the click of a button. So it's pretty cool to see that. So what about passion right now? Anything you're incredibly passionate about?
1: Uh, I'm incredibly passionate about, you know, trading and charity and, uh, you know, the, just the whole social media world, uh, everything I focus on, you know, if you actually look through my blog posts and you look through my you know, Instagram and YouTube, you see every single thing that I'm working on. I am an open book and I love being able to share everything that I'm doing. I don't share everything in real time anymore. That's kind of the one drawback of being, I guess, like socially famous where I have a few online stalkers, no, no bad people, but still it's kind of weird.
0: Yeah. You definitely want to avoid stalkers. That's for sure. So what about things that my listeners could do to implement in their lives that you could just teach them anything they should be doing right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have so many video lessons, but it's, it's tough where to start. I would say go to how to That is my 35 hour guide. Um, it's specifically all for charity. And that one guide has now raised two plus million dollars for charity. So that's cool. And you get to learn everything. It was supposed to be like a 16 hour DVD, then a 20 hour DVD, but it ended up being 35 hours because I just wanted to include every single thing I've learned over the years. So, how to make millions.com.
0: Is there anything someone doesn't ask you, you usually hope to talk about?
1: Um,. No, I mean, I'm, you can ask me anything. I I like talking about my mistakes. I like talking about social media. I like talking about, you know, whatever it's your show, your call.
0: Yeah, no, I'm just curious if there was something else that you're working on that you'd like to talk about and just not many people are aware of.
1: I don't hide anything. I'm, I'm literally fully transparent. You know, I have many more schools being built. We have 35 schools now uh, that are built or in development. I'm also building a hospital and building a, a soccer stadium too in Cambodia. And in Cambodia. I think they think that I'm kidding when I say I only want the kids who get A's to be able to play in the stadium. (laughs) Uh, Kind of like, you know, change up human nature where all the jocks are popular and in Cambodia, I want to reward, you know, these kids that might not be good at sports. So they'll have like the worst soccer team in Cambodia, but they'll have like, <laughs> the best grades <laughs> revenge of the nerd stadium. And people think I'm kidding. You see, you're laughing. My programmers are laughing, but I'm, I'm actually serious. I don't care if they score on themselves, you know, they're, they're nerds. What do you expect?
0: Is that actually going to be the name of the stadium? Revenge of the nerds stadium?
1: I'm I'm saying it, but I think it's getting lost in translation because it's so outrageous. People think that I'm kidding. So I might have to go back to Cambodia and be like, No, I'm I'm fucking serious.
0: <laughs> no, that's fantastic. You're encouraging the joke. I think your personality just makes me laugh. I, I for some reason even watching your videos, I, I tend to just laugh out loud watching them. Good.
1: Good. That's the, that's the goal. Education can be boring. So, you know, I I have to try to spice it up. This is one other thing that I've learned. Like, you know, you can teach basics and and just facts and figures and it gets old really quickly. And if you want to be truly successful, you got to learn to love the subject. You got to have fun with it. Uh, you know, I, I've met a lot of uptight people in finance and now in the charity world, and they have a very specific way of doing things and they're not open to any other ways. And I'm like, fuck you guys, you know, let's just have fun with it.
0: I mean, we were mentioning the school system earlier and it, it's so true though. I can sit there and watch 20 of your videos straight and be entertained the entire time while learning a ton. And I think yeah, it just, exactly. so, yeah. and that's
1: my, that's my goal. You know, I've secretly educated you while you're, you know, getting entertained. And I think that more people should do this. I, I said this to Larry King. I was like, I'm tricking like these bums, you know, I'm, I'm teaching them and they don't even realize it. They think that they're just tuning in to get like, entertain like CNBC. CNBC's ratings are at all-time lows because they entertain without teaching. You know, eventually if you lose money, it doesn't matter how much you're entertained, you start hating it. But you know, my students, my top students have a great success rate. So if you get the success and you get entertained, it's win-win.
0: What are your long-term goals with philanthropy? I know you've done some pretty incredible things so far, but I I can only imagine you see yourself becoming a lot wealthier. What, What does it look like in a decade? How much do you plan to donate then?
1: Well, I never want to be a billionaire. I know a few billionaires and they're so fucked in the head. Um, So if I ever make that much, I have to really give it away. But my goal is to build a thousand schools, you know, so I'm like roughly 3.5% of the way there. And I would love to have a thousand millionaires. And, you know, I'm roughly, I don't know, like less than 1% of the way there. So I've got, I've got my work cut out, but it, it all is very scalable. You know, what I teach is now being watched by thousands of people. Unfortunately, you know, it's kind of like the gym memberships where 80% of people who have gym memberships don't go to the gym. And I find it's very similar with my students, you know, 80 to 85% of people who signed up for my course, they still don't study. So, you know, you might say, oh, Tim, you only have a few success stories. Well, I only have a few dedicated students too. So I will search the world for more dedicated students. One of my upcoming millionaire students, Stephen Ducks, found me through Instagram because he liked my Lamborghini. So it's working.
0: What's his uh, journey been like so far?
1: So he started with uh, twenty seven thousand. He's turned it into nine hundred thousand plus in a little over a year. And I just posted uh, the video. If you if you type in, you know, Tim Sykes, twenty two year old, nine hundred thousand um, dollars, and his video has kind of gone viral with a hundred thousand plus views because he can barely speak English. English is his fourth language. But he's been studying from me and all my millionaire students watching all of our live webinars and and video lessons like we have data galore on which students uh, study the most. And he by far has watched everything like two, three, four times. I mean, he's put in thousands of hours, but it's paid off where. Now, it's again, it's not just about the money, but he knows the patterns. He's very comfortable. He's been practicing. Uh, he actually just flew back to China for a few months to see his family. His family doesn't even know about his success yet. It's kind of kind of cool.
0: Hmm. Are you going to fly out there when he's going to hit the million-dollar mark?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I we haven't figured out exactly what we're going to do. Um, I was there for—I missed my first student hitting a million. I was there for my second student. But I've also learned if I fly out, you know, with a camera crew and I try and get that moment on camera, like— it forces it. The The thing about trading is you don't know which stock trade is going to be like your best. And if you're on camera and you're trying to force it, it really can be bad. Like my second millionaire student, I had to fly out to Ohio twice because the first time we flew out, he lost like 50 grand because <laughs> <camera> <laughs> there's too much pressure. And I was like, this, this is a bad idea. He made it back, but so you have to be careful with, with, you know, trying to force it. The, the best plays come up randomly. You kind of have to wait for them to come to you. So I don't know if I'm willing to like sit in China for a month. Last time I was there, you know, my, my stomach hurt a lot. It's not like our Chinese food. They don't have General So's chicken there. Yeah, that's a, little that's different. a bullshit American <laughs> thing.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, you're you're also so generous with your students. I Didn't you fly uh, about a dozen of them out or take them out on a boat recently?
1: Yeah. So we've gone on uh, a few uh, TV shows and we've flown out to uh, the Caribbean a few times and I took them to the Maldives and uh, you know, it's fun. It's fun to inspire my students and show them what's possible. You know, I took my, my second millionaire student, Tim Gritani, to the Maldives When he passed 100,000 in profits and early on in my teaching career, this was an achievement. I didn't know that he would be my best student with over 4 million, but he started strong with his studies. You know, I looked at the data. I saw that he was watching everything. He was asking good questions. So I wanted to reward him. And it's kind of cool that, you know, you're able to kind of predict who will have success based on how much they study. There's, There's a direct correlation between how much you study and how much success you have. One of my students, Mark Crook, just passed 700000 in profits, and he's watched all of my video lessons four times. He's the one who came up with a whole tagging system where I can, you know, I didn't tag them before at first. He's the one who came up with a whole system where we now, you know, divide it into 20 different tags so you can see, okay, these are video lessons based on, you know, buying dips. Here are video lessons for technology stocks. Here are video lessons for short selling. So, He studied and now, you know, he moved. He was working as a, uh, I think, an accountant in Texas. He moved out of the cubicle life. He moved to Miami, met his wife, just had a beautiful baby. And, you know, he'll be a millionaire shortly. So it's pretty cool that if you study hard, you get rewarded.
0: It's so cool hearing how enthusiastic you are about your students. You can, you can clearly hear over audio right now, how much you really care about them and how passionate you are. So it's been fun to hear that. So of the court, yeah, the this mul- is
1: my life's work. You know, this isn't some little like passive income, internet affiliate bullshit scheme. Like that's, I, like I said, you know, it's good to be real in an industry full of scams. Like you say, it's passion. I don't know how to be any other way. I don't know how to not take this stuff seriously. I'm working on it 16, 18 hours a day, every day. I better be fucking passionate or else what am I wasting my life on?
0: Damn, you're getting me fired up over here, Tim. <laughs> yeah,
1: you should. Everybody should be fired up. Everybody should be in the position to focus on what they love in life. And it pisses me off when you know, you're know you doing these menial jobs. You just got to make money just to support yourself or your family. I get it. You have responsibilities, but you're working on somebody else's dreams and you're not focusing on your own. And the vast majority of people in this world don't even know what they really love because they never have the chance to figure it out because they're too busy, you know, just focused on paying bills and living a life that they never really dreamt of. It's sad.
0: You think they're just too afraid?
1: Too afraid, too untrained, um, you know, just not given the right opportunities, not Really taught the right way. I, I don't blame them. I get a lot of messages from people with the wrong attitude, and I'm like, I don't blame you. I blame your parents. I blame your teachers. Um, and then they get more offended, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like, it's not your fault. I blame squarely your mom. It is your mom's fault 100. And then, you know, I have fun with it too. Like, I don't know if it's their parents or their teachers, but it, they weren't giving you know the right guidance when they were younger, and so they have the wrong mindset. Like some people hate on education. And I'm like, just to be clear, like you're hating on education and charity. And, you know, when you put it like that, they're like, no, I'm just hating on you. And I'm like, well, I'm an educator and I give to charity. So (laughs) you're hating on these two topics and they get really angry and it's kind of fun. I got to have fun with my haters, but there's hope for all my haters. I know there's a thought out there that you should just ignore your haters. But again, my first millionaire student literally thought I was full of BS And unless I had gone back and forth with him in the comments, he wouldn't have been, you know, my millionaire student. And now he helps me mentor other people. And if I wasn't on Instagram, I wouldn't have one of my upcoming millionaire students. So it's cool where you find, you know, your your best customers. It's not about, you know, finding everybody who pays the most or even who gets it at first. It's about giving everybody a chance. And then if you're real and you have, you know, a good mission and a good product, people will figure it out and you'll reap the rewards over years. You know, year 10 of my teaching business is turning out to be my best, but year one, two, three, four, five. I mean, we were, we weren't doing that great. I mean, I didn't have a a millionaire student for what my first millionaire student was 2013. So year six, I guess was my first millionaire student. And I said, Oh, I'm going to create millionaires. And for six years, like I, I was just a liar. So it takes time you know, but you gotta figure out what really works in the long run.
0: Tim Sykes just dropping knowledge bombs over here.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm just explaining my journey. If it's knowledge bombs, so be it. But I think it's great to learn from the past. It's great to learn from other people's experiences, good and bad. And I wish more people shared it. I I wish that there was more transparency. I think there's a, a whole flawed, uh, thought process in the world where you can't share everything. Like, if you share everything, then you give up your competitive advantage. Or if you admit defeat, or if you admit that you're human, you know, like you look weaker. And maybe in some industries, like if you're a banker where everyone is the exact fucking same. And, you know, if you do give that stuff up, then you lose your competitive edge. But if you're unique, if you develop your own skill set, like I'm not afraid of competition. I welcome competition because I know what I do is real and I wish that there were more real people.
0: So you mentioned how you brought one of your uh, coaching clients out to the Maldives. Is that your favorite place in the entire world?
1: Ah, it's my favorite place to get to because it's so damn tough to get to. Uh, I like the challenge. You know, you have to fly pretty much for an entire day and you're so disoriented. And then even these little islands in the middle of nowhere, it's tough to get supplies out there. But I mean, it's a it's a booming uh, tourist place. And I've been uh, half a dozen times. So I'm very,
0: very fortunate. So selfish question here, planning my next trip anywhere in the world. Where should I go?
1: I get this question a lot and you got to break it down. Are you going for romance, adventure, business, food, relaxation?
0: Going with my wife. We love adventure, romance, and food. Tie those together, all three of them.
1: So I would say Bali because Bali is very spiritual. You know, I was bathing at this temple. I'm going to massacre the name, but it's pretty much called like Tirpat Empal or Tear Cat Empal, it's a thousand-year-old temple where you can go bathe in these you know, holy waters and you give prayers and it's an amazing experience. Bali also has some of the best food that I've had. You have a lot of adventurous uh, chefs and European chefs. The Viceroy is one of my favorite hotels in Ubud, uh, which is in the jungle, and you can also go like 10 minutes by car, play with monkeys in the, the monkey jungle forest. And I got bit by a monkey one time, but it was my fault. You know, I was, I was teasing him with a banana to see how strong he was. He wasn't like a crazy monkey. He was smart. <laughs> I hit my thumb and I had to let go of the banana, but I still had to get rabies shots. And, uh, that was adventure. I've been quadding in the jungles. They also have beaches there. I love Bali. I'm actually going back this August, uh, with two of my top students were opening schools in their names, the Tim Gratani school and the Michael Good school. So I'm tired of just opening schools in my name. Now I'm going to start opening schools in my students' names.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So what about favorite bottle of wine? You've got one bottle of wine left. What are you having?
1: Oh, uh, any Petrus. I love Petrus. It's an expensive bottle. It's a few thousand dollars, but Petrus is by far my favorite wine. I used to like Opus One and then I upgraded to, to Petrus.
0: Not bad choices there at all. Man, Tim Sykes, this has been an absolute blast for me. I know my listeners are going to love this one. How can they stay connected with you?
1: Yeah, I mean just look up Timothy Sykes uh on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube or go to timothysykes.com. Awesome. I'm, I'm very vain. It's all about me.
0: Great, Tim. Thanks so much for joining us on What Got You There.
1: No, my problem. My my problem. My pleasure for uh for being here and thank you again.
0: You bet. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh What got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh what got you there? We got you, got you. Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.